Tonight, we skate with them. And we shut them down because we can't. Welcome to the Chip and Chase Hockey Podcast. Okay, guys, show us what you got. All right, welcome back. It's another episode of uh, Chip and Chase, Eastern Conference Preview Edition uh, for the playoffs. So we have... One of people's favorite guests uh, from earlier in the year is uh, nice enough to join us again. It's Mike Kelly. Mike, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. That's nice of you to say. It's uh, it's always a pleasure jumping on with the stoolies. Well, it wasn't me saying it, just for the record. It, it, so you're, it going, was, you're going against the uh, the audience, eh? You're yeah. Like, this guy so sucks. it's like, fuck, eh? this guy was popular, so I guess we'll have him back. It wasn't my <laughs> personal favorite, but people seem to like him. Um, actually, well, you got a heavyweight doing the Western Conference previews, right? And then you got to bring in a plug like me for the East. A literal heavyweight. We're actually doing that tomorrow. Brandon Bullock will be on, so we'll we'll hopefully release this podcast tonight. It's April twelfth, and then we'll record uh, the West with Bullock tomorrow. But you're free to touch on the West too if you want. But I figured we get uh, a Maple Leafs guy, um, a Toronto guy, Canadian guys, who, so who should have no bias because there are zero Canadian teams in the playoffs. So it's all America all the time. Uh, so Mike is going to provide a little unbiased opinion on the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think. The natural place to start is with the President's Trophy uh, champions going up against uh, the Flyers, the Washington Capitals, Philadelphia Flyers. Pretty good uh, little East Coast rivalry, mid-Atlantic rivalry. Uh, What are your initial thoughts on on that series, and are you looking for anything in particular? Yeah, well, I I think it'll be – you know, the Flyers will play Washington tough. What the Caps did this season was was incredible. Obviously, the huge lead that they had in, in their division and their conference in the league. Uh, and they're a little sour last year. They blew a 3-1 lead against the Rangers in the second round. Still haven't got to that conference final in the Ovechkin era. So, um, you know, Washington, they've had enough disappointments. And a lot of teams usually have to learn from a disappointment or two uh, before they get to that next level. I mean, guy that just played the Masters had a bit of a disappointment, a young guy. And uh, but he'll figure it out. He's pretty good, Jordan Spieth. So um, I, I think the Capitals this year will get to the conference final, um, you know, Backstrom, Ovechkin, Oshie, that line has been so good. TJ Oshie was a great fit in there. Ovi Potts, 50 again. Uh, Backstrom goes to his first All-Star game, which is crazy to think of. He's one of the best centers in the league. Then you got Evgeny Kuznetsov, who on his own uh, had an incredible season. He's in a a second-line role. And where I think the Caps really have stepped it up this year is adding guys in the depth role that have, you know, winning pedigree and are also just good playoff-type players. You Mike Richards... Marcus Johansson, Jay Beagle, uh, they, they've got some solid depth there. So, uh, and obviously, Braden Holpe, what he's done in goal has been terrific. So, um, at the end of the day, I think the Capitals will come out on top. I don't think that's going to shock a lot of people. Um, but, you know, Philly's been playing really well. They've been playing playoff hockey for the last few weeks, basically. Shane Gostaspier, uh, the Flyers scoring is up three quarters of a goal per game since that kid showed up. And he's been unbelievable for them. Steve Mason's been great. I think maybe he can steal a game, maybe two in the series, but to ask him to steal four out of seven, that uh, could be a little bit much. I, everything you're saying is true. Everything makes sense. The Caps are on paper and certainly you know, on the ice through the first 82 games, head and shoulders above really the, the rest of the league, uh, or rest of the East, I should say, definitely ahead of uh, the Flyers. It depends, I guess, how you're talking about on paper, because if you look at the uh, SAP matchup analysis that the NHL has, they've got the Philadelphia Flyers winning the Stanley Cup based on 37 variables that they deem to be very important uh, at this time of year. Well, The problem with that um, is 
they have Philly and Detroit playing in the Eastern Conference Final, the only two teams in the NHL playoffs that have a negative goal differential, which is a huge correlator to success, over 90% this season. But they've got variables. They use things like face-off percentage, which has never correlated well to success. It was less than 20% this year. Uh, yeah. shot, shots on goal, for instance, or even shot attempts. Common sense, you might think, yeah, okay, that correlates to winning. Teams that outshot their opponents this year lost more than half the games they played. So I don't know where they come up with these variables. My advice would be if you're filling out a playoff bracket, don't go with SAP as to say. And if the Flyers win the Stanley Cup, I will eat my hat. I'll come back on here. I'll pump their tires. No problem. I mean, we can just go ahead and say the Flyers aren't going to win the Stanley Cup. I think uh, so. But I do. Is one of those variables the ghost of Ed Snyder? Because I, be- I believe in things like that, where you get certain things happen in the universe where either the players buy in, they're playing with a little extra emotion. I don't know. Um, I've seen angels in the outfield way too many times who just discount <laughs> uh, uh, Ed Snyder's passing and the emotional impact on, on the Flyers. I just feel something about the Flyers in my bones. Like I don't have any numbers to back it up. I just look at them. They seem like a hungry team, a team that cares about each other. Uh, and they've been playing great, you know, like basically since uh, they called up Gossip Square um, for what? The, when did he call get called up? November, December? Um, yeah, he played 64 games, so he missed about so, 20. Yeah, so he, another, he just gave that team a little bit of a spark. They play great defense as a team, um, you know, or top third of the league defensively in goals allowed and, and things like that. So uh, I like – I think if I was going to pick one massive upset in the first round, this would be the spot. I, I'm a little bit – like you said, they, the Capitals have great depth. I still don't love their blue line. Um, and, I, and I think Mason, if he can play Holtby even, uh, then, then the Flyers have a real chance. I think it's going to be a long series. Um, are, are you, you going to give us an official prediction in this one and how many ga- caps and how many games? Caps and five. Caps and five. All right. You know, I'm, I, I like what you say. I like what you say, Chief. And 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 that stuff's all, all good and well. I think Mason has the the ability to play Holpe even like you talk about. Yeah. But then you factor in everything else. Uh, like Washington is just so good. I would I'd take Philly over a couple teams that are in the playoffs in the East. Problem is they're going up against the biggest juggernaut in the conference and and potentially in the league. So it's just too big of a hill to climb. And you, you talk about Ed Snyder. I mean that guy. What he meant, he, he, he was the Philadelphia Flyers. He completely right. embodied what that team was. You look at the teams that came in in that expansion years ago, all of them either relocated, went through major ownership changes, went through bankruptcy. Ed Snyder was there the entire time. And there could be a bit of a pick-me-up from that. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Some, some uh, added incentive or motivation or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Marty St. Louis went through that when, when his mother passed not too long ago in the postseason. And Rangers came back from a 3-1 deficit. Um, so, so that can play into it a little bit. At the end of the day, I think the Capitals are just too good. I, I, I agree with you. The Capitals are the better team. I just, I just feel something like the Ed Snyder stuff is kind of a joke. It's kind of not a joke, but it is kind of a joke. Um, I just, there's just something about that. I like Hackstall I, as a coach. I think they play a pretty, a pretty structured game um, that, that might be able to give the, uh, the Capitals some problems. I don't so know. You're going out on a limb. You're saying it. You're making an official prediction here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I we're doing our our bracket challenge with Barstool, kind of on that NHL.com thing. Um, almost two thousand people have signed up now, so that's that's making. But I took Philly in the first round, so I don't think the Caps are gonna right. do it. Uh, I also think that they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. So 
that if it's not this year, then it's never going to happen. And I think maybe if well, they, why do you say that? I I think that Ovechkin's getting a little bit older. I don't he's think that fifty goals. I think that he's going to hit a wall here coming up pretty soon. He, almost like there's a lot of wear and tear on that body. Almost like an NFL running back. Yep. yep. Um, uh, the, I don't like their cap situation, especially on the blue line. They're paying a little bit uh, too much Brooks Orpik. Uh, they're going to have to pay Kuznetsov here, I believe, coming up pretty soon. So th- this seems like this is this is the year, and the rest of the East is, is uh, probably less formidable, we'll say, than uh, in, in in normal years. After the Caps, it seems very wide open. You can kind of throw a dart and, and see who else is going to make the uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. So it, it just seems like if if they're a team that gets down in a series or, or the series isn't going their way early, they might start squeezing their sticks a little bit, and maybe that's. Uh, Maybe the Flyers can pounce on them. So I think there's some uh, a few things cooking for a potential upset. Um, again, it's, it might be one in ten. It's actually Vegas has it as Flyers plus two twenty, so not one in ten. But um, but I think they I think they have a shot and uh, you know live a little first round picking an upset. So <laughs> hey, nothing uh, wrong with that. I love yeah. that kind of stuff. And I, I think Jordy's just got to you. He's brainwashed you. That's what it is. <laughs> oh please, that guy can't brainwash. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm going. That would be the one reason to pick against Flyers is because I'd love to see him miserable. So okay, um, well, you're going to side with uh, the SAP uh, matchup analysis, and that's that's all good and well. I will say this much: <laughs> in the bracket challenge last year, at the start of the playoffs, I picked the Blackhawks to beat the Lightning in the Cup final. Twenty three total goals scored. Guess what happened? All of that happened. Exactly that. So you're I had- go against Kelly on this one. Do it at your own peril. That's all I'm saying, Chief. I had I had Hawks and Lightning last year as well, so we were we were on the same page last year. I don't think I hit the uh, the goal scored, but that's that that's, is pretty that is pretty impressive. We'll, that's uh, we'll luck. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll stay on that side of the bracket. Um, just to recap, Mike's going Caps and five. I'm taking Flyers and seven. Uh, now we'll move to uh, Rangers and Penguins. Um, kind of the marquee series, I would say, in the first round, two kind of sexy teams. Original six Rangers, Henrik Lundqvist first. Sidney Crosby, who, who made a push for the, uh, the Hart Trophy definitely in the second half of this year, uh, still, still one of the big faces in, in the game. Uh, who do you like there? What, we got any facts and figures on, on that series? That one's as close, I think, as you might find in the Eastern Conference. I mean, both teams have some issues right now. The, the Rangers are without Ryan McDonough. He's, he's going to miss some time in the first round. Dan Girardi's day-to-day. Um, but, you know, I still think New York has some solid depth on the blue line. Um, I look at Derek Stepan and Derek Broussard. They, they've taken real steps to another level this season. I think that's helped the New York Rangers. Um, and then Henrik Lundqvist in goal is, is a stud and, and has had some, some good success in the postseason. A game seven record is, I think, six and one all time. He's a money goaltender. Uh, Pitts has some problems as well. So, you know, obviously Evgeny Malkin is out. Um, Ole Mata, don't know what's up with him. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, don't know what's up with him. Even Matt Murray, the backup goalie, who is a beast and probably the best goalie, uh, you know, under 24, 25 years old in the NHL. I think he's a total stud and he's going to be a legit elite goaltender. But he's a little bit banged up. So what if both of those guys can't go? Um, What if Fleury can't go? And it is Murray. Obviously, he's never played in the playoffs. So that's a bit of a wild card. Um, Yeah, I remember John Gibson a couple years ago with the Ducks. He was the young up-and-coming stud, young goaltender. He had a complete meltdown in a Game 7. Yep. So it's if it's not Marc-Andre Fleury and Marc-Andre Fleury at his best going toe-to-toe with Henrik Lundqvist, that's tough sledding for, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, as well as Crosby is playing. 
Uh, Chris Letang, to me, is the most valuable player on that team in terms of what he means to the Pittsburgh Penguins. He, he's a guy that controls things from the back end, controls the transition game, uh, is a rock star of a defenseman. And then you've got Phil Kessel. So he's been lighting it up lately. Like a lot of goal scorers and one-dimensional type players, he can be streaky, maybe even streakier than most. Yep. So he can go in and score five goals in five games. He can also go in and do nothing because if he's not scoring goals, he's not doing anything else. Right. So there's big question marks for Pittsburgh. Um, both those teams play with a lot of speed. I think it's going to be a very fun series to watch. And I think the edge in the end goes to New York just because of the goaltending situation right now. They've got that stability and they've got that number one elite goaltender. Yeah, I think we're on the same page with this one. I think it's kind of a coin toss series. Uh, I have it going. I have Rangers in seven. Um, I'm very concerned about Ryan McDonough, but they, the Rangers do have a better depth on the blue line that they might be able to throw um, enough bodies at Crosby and Kessel and, and kind of take those guys away. Having no Malkin uh, is a big concern. Fleury di- is, uh, is skating uh, and practicing, so it sounds like he's going to go, but it, he, you're right. He might not uh, be as explosive as he normally is uh, in goal. So major concerns. Uh, I, I'm with you on that, Matt Murray. I heard a, a story recently that, when the Penguins were talking trades at the deadline, multiple teams asked about him um, as part of a package for different uh, different pieces coming back, and the, the Penguins told people to get lost. Like no one's no one's touching Matt Murray at least not at the deadline. So, uh, so yeah, it's, I, it's funny that you hear that sometimes too, right? And it went through Detroit as well. Should they should they trade uh, Jimmy Howard if they could trade him with that big contract? And you look at what's going on in Detroit now. You need two good goalies. You need two guys you can count on. Just because you have a stud goalie doesn't mean you can cast off somebody else. And and you're seeing it now. If Flurry potentially can't go, you need Matt Murray. And again, like like you talk about Mark Andre Flurry, the playoffs. There's some stigma there to begin with. If he's not at the top of his game, it's going to be tough sledding for Pitt. Yeah, and I guess if the Rangers can control tempo too, I know they like to play fast. If they can kind of get in on. Uh... Get in on Pittsburgh. I think they, they have the edge there. And like you said, Lundqvist and Nett, uh, that's really the, the biggest deciding factor for me. You want to give us a quick prediction there? Yeah, I'll say also the Rangers, they get Chris Kreider and Rick Nash driving the net, crashing the net. That, that, that team is it's tough to stop. Uh, they don't always do that. But if they do that in this series, I think that just gives them another tick in the uh, why you take the Rangers. So I'll take, uh, I'll take the Rangers in six. Okay, I like that. Um, you mentioned uh, Jimmy Howard there briefly in our in the last series segment. Um, how, how do you feel about Lightning and Ranger or uh, and Red Wings? I feel like that's kind of a toss up series as well with with no Stamkos and no Strawman uh, for for Tampa Bay. A lot of question marks there for two key players, uh, and the Red Wings aren't exactly looking like world beaters either. Uh, and they have some drama surrounding Pavel Datsuk, uh, kind of skipping out on the last year of his contract. What's uh, what's your take on that series? Yeah, so again, I mean, you talk about it with Tampa Bay. They've got some issues as well. Um, and they had a terrific regular season, finished pretty well. Um, but Anton Strahlman is a huge loss, you know, a guy that, that dictates from the back end. Um, and Victor Hedman uh, is fully capable of, of being a stud defenseman for that team. We saw what he did in the playoffs last season. He was tremendous. Um, and, and no Stamkos. But at the same time, you know, how integral was Stamkos last year? Uh, he was valuable, obviously, but it's not like he was carrying the team on his back. So... Uh, they have capable bodies that can do it. I think uh, Nikita Kucherov is a guy that can do it. Uh, Tyler Johnson needs to to be hot like he was in the playoffs last year. Um, Jonathan Drouin, you talk about a wild card. This guy's back from the dead. Yeah. And uh, he was scratched in 20 of the 26 playoff games that 
Tampa played last season, but they'll need to rely on him for some offense. So what can he do in the postseason? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the X factor for Tampa Bay to me is their goalie, Ben Bishop. I think he should win the Vesna Trophy. Uh, you know, Braden Holpe is a slam dunk on a lot of people's minds. He had the 48 win, <clears throat> wins, tied Marty Brodeur's record. But Ben Bishop's the only guy in the league that was top five and wins goals against average, save percentage, and shutouts. He just didn't have the goal support that Braden Holpe had in Washington. And if he did, he'd be up in the, in the mid-40s uh, in wins likely as well. I think he was, you know, take nothing away from what Braden Holpe did. He played in that goal and he won those games. But Ben Bishop should be right there in the conversation. I think he's a terrific goalie. Um, and for Detroit, that's a team that struggles to score. I mean, Dylan Larkin's a rookie and he led the team with 23 goals. Zetterberg led the team with 50 points. Um, Nyquist and Tatar both took a bit of a step back offensively. And then in goal, Peter Morazic was great early. And then he completely melted down. He was pulled, I think, in three or four games. Uh, hasn't really found much of the net since. Jimmy Howard's a bit of a wild card. So kind of like the Pittsburgh-New York series, I'm going to lean on the goaltending. and I think it heavily favors the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, the Red Wings, I keep, you know, you look at the names on that roster, and it's, it's Datsuk, Zetterberg, Dylan Larkin, who was, you know, Rookie of the Year candidate for a long time, um, Nyquist, Tatar, like you said, and it just seems like that team with those names should be better. Like, I keep waiting for them to click in, and then they couldn't even get a win in the last game of the season to clinch a spot. They needed help from Ottawa to beat Boston. So I think that's a very disappointing team. I can't figure out uh what's going on there and they they've had stretches where they look like a really like a potential eastern conference contender um but it's not right now they don't look they don't look that great right now so uh i'm i'm kind of confused by them i could envision a scenario where datsuk and zetterberg kind of light switch um and get their games going and and give tampa bay a really strong series and and if they get the goaltending from mrazic um, that they got earlier, or Howard that we've seen uh, in the playoffs. It's almost like that thing from Miracle. Because uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in Jimmy Howard. And people are like, oh, his game's off, his game's off. I was like, well, have you ever seen him when his game's on? Like when uh, Herb yep, Brooks yep. was talking about Jimmy Craig. And, and that's kind of how I feel about Howard. He damn near stole that series from the Hawks um, in 2013 in the second round. He, he's been a good uh, playoff goalie in the past, but he's very up and down. So if you catch him at, at Jimmy Howard – at the right time, he can take you places. But uh, I don't know if, if the Wings have enough. They just haven't shown enough this year. So I, I'm kind of leaning with you. I, I don't love Tampa Bay this year, given all their issues. But but Bishop, is he's going to be the best player in this series. And, and I'm, I'm rolling with them as well. I'll take yeah, Lightning. I, sorry, go ahead. You take uh, T-Bay and how many? In six, yeah. All right, yeah. Like I, I think Detroit, they play with a lot of structure. Yeah. Um, and, and they're a well-coached team. And... And they have guys that commit to that system. They lead the NHL in offensive zone time per game. Mm. They do a lot of the right things. They don't have the finishers. Uh, Again, Nyquist and Tatar steps back. um, And you're leaning on a rookie who led your team with 23 goals. I think that they they do a lot of of what's required, but they they have trouble finishing. And that's going to be tough when you're going up against Ben Bishop and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't think either team gets out of the second round. I think this is a series where you can see some weird games. You see playoffs a lot or 2-1 games. 3-2 3-2 games. This one could get a little bit odd. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm with you. I don't love either team. Um, but I would feel fairly confident in taking Tampa Bay. All right. so Which I will do in six games. All right. So I'm, we're in lockstep there, too. So last series of the first round uh, is Florida, 
kind of a darling story this year. Won the Atlantic against uh, the wild card New York Islanders. Mike, uh, this is this is a tough one to to forecast as well. What do you what do you have there? I think this is an easy one to forecast. Okay, I'm taking Florida. Okay, I, I believe in the Cats. I believe in the Cats too, but I think that they're not really they're still not getting respect. We saw our, our, you know people in New York saying like, oh, we want to position ourselves to play Florida, and it's like, oh, be careful, be careful what you wish for. So. What what makes you uh, what makes you believe in the cats so much? Um, Yager, Barkov, Huberdo. That line is on fuego. They yeah. are uh, they play so well together. Barkov and Huberdo have good speed. Yager doesn't have to because he just gets in the right spot at the right time. He can protect the puck as well as anybody. Alex Barkov to me is going to be what Anze Kopitar is for the LA Kings, and he's he in my mind is already an elite center in the NHL. He had a great season. I think Barkov is going to show the world with everybody watching now, if you don't watch the Panthers play already, yep. he's going to show everybody that he's a stud in these playoffs. Um, I really like that first line. They've got depth also. It's the first time in their team's history they've got six players with 50 or more points. Yep. Um, so they, they have other guys that can do it as well. Ekblad and Campbell on that defense pairing. I mean, Aaron Ekblad's a number one pick and a stud. Everybody knows that. Brian yep. Campbell's had a terrific season. Um, leads that team in puck possession per game. Leads them in ice time. He's what I think he's 36 years old and people, people laughed when he signed that contract. Right. And then they laughed even harder when Dale Talon went to Florida and traded to get him from Chicago after Talon signed him with the Hawks. Right. And it's turned out pretty well. Dale Talon's done a terrific job building this Panther team in in somewhat similar of a model that he did with the Hawks back in the early 2000s. So I think there's a lot to like with Florida. I mean, Luongo's he's proven that he can be a big game goaltender. Yep. Um, you talk about the miracle. You talk about no Canadian teams in the playoffs. I'm going to talk about Team Canada in 2010 winning Olympic gold in yep. overtime against the Americans, and Bobby Lou was in net for that. So, um, so you know, he's a, he's a terrific goalie. And then when you look at the Islanders, um, you know, Travis Hamanick, I don't know if he's going to be ready or, or how healthy he's going to be. That's mm-hmm. huge. Daryl Halak is injured. He's probably going to miss the entire first round. That's huge. Thomas mm-hmm. Grice has one game of playoff experience. So, uh, again, a huge question mark and goal. Um, so if you're potentially without your top defenseman, you're without your top goalie, those are big issues going into the playoffs. And, what, what, you know, I, I look at Strom and Bailey. They've kind of underperformed. Obviously, John yeah. Tavares is a rock star. Pozo's a rock star. Um, the, the one thing I like about the Islanders, that fourth line they have, I think it's the best line in hockey. They produce, and they are bangers with uh, yeah. Matt Martin, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck. Uh, they're terrific. And in the playoffs, a lot of times, if you get teams relatively even matched, the top couple lines can kind of cancel each other out. And then it's the third and fourth line. Who wins that battle? So if that's what happens here, that's where I would give an edge to New York. But those question marks I talked about, I think, are so big. And, you know, the, the Panthers haven't won a playoff series in 20 years. I think they'll do it this year against the New York Islanders. All right. I, I like the Panthers, too. Listening to you kind of rant about them made me – uh, much more did confident. I, did I convert that. you? Or did, no, sorry, I'm not converted. I, I was, I was, I've been on the Panthers for, I don't know, 18 months now, like going back to last year where like we joked that uh, like I was the reason, like I cursed them. Like I mushed them when I jumped on the bandwagon last year and they had all those goalie issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we had, we had Brandon Perry on this podcast, I think maybe a week or two after you were on the, the last time. And he said the same thing about Barkov that that guy is as good as any center in the league and, and he's just young and, and plays in Florida. So people don't really know about him, but um, the pant that line that, um, that you were talking about, Barkov, Hubert or Yager, 
was second in the league in five-on-five goals for one line behind only Kane, who won the Art Ross, Panarin, who should win the Calder, and Anisimov. So they're putting up big numbers. They're a, a legit number one line. Uh, and I think that there's just the stigma attached to them that they're the Florida Panthers, so they can't be good, So, which I don't <laughs> buy into. So I, I, I think they've got a nice blend of uh, youth and experience so, and guys that are hungry for either their first uh, playoff run or their last. So it's like an interesting combination. I think they definitely have enough uh, to beat the Islanders, given what you, what you said. And I went to that rink um, this past weekend uh, at the Barclays. That's a horrendous place. To you see. hated it. You hated it. Hated it. So, well, the uh, ice is terrible. Apparently, I haven't been there. Apparently, the ice is terrible. There's a ton of obstructed view seats, yeah. so it's not a great building to watch it. And like what the players have to go through with their practice rink and, and getting to the Barclays Center, whatever the hell it's called. I mean, that's yeah. that is a. I can't imagine. I don't know how much longer they can be there. That's that's not a good situation. I've read in a few places that they're already looking at other options. Well, once the uh, the sale is actually finalized, that they're going to try to find another location to build a rank out on Long Island somewhere. And they need to, because that's, I just like, this is a meathead opinion. I feel like I've given them a few of, of those already on this podcast, but you can't win there. Like you can't win <laughs> in, with that as your, as your home rank. So I'm taking the Panthers. Um, and you made me go from Panthers and seven to Panthers and five. Now I just think that they, they got too much. Uh, and John Tavares in that top line and the fourth line is great as well. But they, I think the Panthers are deeper they're better on D, and they're certainly better in goal. So, uh, we're, we're, how do you, what are you thinking for the Panthers Islanders' actual games? I'm with you, Chief man. You got me into Panthers and in five now, so let's do it. All right, I'm gonna bust out my Van Breesbrook uh, jersey <laughs> from like 20 years ago to put for uh, for this series. All right, so that's that's our winners for the first round. Um, you want to give us conference finals and finals as well? Sure. Um, I but think now, Florida, Florida plays Washington in the conference final. Okay. And I'll take the Caps. And then in the West, well, the West is gritty. It's a lot grittier. Um, You know what? I think uh, you're not going to like – well, here's the thing. So I don't want to say St. Louis or Chicago who's going to win, right? Everyone knows about Chicago and what they can do. And even if they start the playoffs and if a guy is injured or if he's not playing well, whatever, they're the Hawks and they get it done. Um, St. Louis, to me, should be in a position to beat them this year. And I think should have been in years past. The criticism I've heard from uh, people who know the game very well uh, and, and talking to players who have played for that team also in the past is that Ken Hitchcock, the coach, is is hard on guys all through the season, especially the top guys. When I say hard on them, I mean like he plays them big minutes. He plays them in all situations. The, the, the foot's not really ever off the gas pedal. Yep. And when you get to the playoffs – a lot of these guys are either injured, which we've seen in years past. A couple of years ago, they lost I think, the last six games of the year and nine of their guys were out. Yeah. And they're battling injuries. They say they'll be 100% healthy. Everyone will be in the lineup for game one this year. But there's guys battling injuries again uh, and big name guys. And, and you wonder how burnt out they get. I mean, Daryl Sutter is a magician with the LA Kings of getting that team at the apex of where they need to be for the start of the playoffs. And then they just go. Right. And I think the St. Louis Blues are the opposite. I think they get ridden so hard during the regular season. By the time the playoffs come, there's not a ton left in the tank. And that, to me, is what could work against them. Now, I think the Hawks are not as good as they've been in their three years that they won the Stanley Cup. But So it's which one of those kind of wins out in the yeah. end. So it's, it's a tough one to pick. But uh, I, I completely agree with everything that you said um, 
about the Blues and Hitchcock, it, it kind of reminds me of the Bulls here when they had Tom Thibodeau, that they would just go, 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 uh, and, and really try to win all 82 games. Like they would give a maximum effort every night, and then they, they had nowhere else to go. Like they, their game couldn't be elevated when, once they reached the playoffs. And I, I think you're right about the Blues there too. They're kind of in a similar, similar way. So not only are they banged up, but we've seen the best they have to offer where teams like LA, Anaheim, Chicago maybe go through these goalies during the year. Um, but really play at their best when it matters most. Also, the Blues, um, Petrangelo's great. He's not Duncan Keith. Bowmeister's great. He's probably not as good as Seabrook or, or Yalmerson. How is yeah. Duncan Keith not only suspended for one playoff game? There's a question for a Chicago guy. He two-handed a dude in the face. He one-handed a dude in the face. Oh, sorry, you're right. He one-handed <laughs> him in the face. All right, so that gets a game or two knocked yeah. off. But no, that yeah. was like one of those accidentally on purpose plays and he's been guilty of those in the past. So I don't think there's, and even what I found funny about that NHL video, they go through it and they just hammer him. Like it was intentional. It was this, it was this. Yeah. And he'll miss one playoff game. All right. So I've talked about this at length. Uh, <laughs> I, I think a six game suspension is fair. So if you went beyond that, it would have, even with that, it's the, it's the strictest penalty enforced on a on a player this whole season, if you exclude um, uh, Torres in the in the in the in the preseason, other than yeah, that, whatever what everyone else did has no merit to what Duncan Keith did, right? That shouldn't be in the conversation. Well, it's a well, separate sure. incident. Yeah, but it, I mean, there are more dangerous hits by guys with um, previous history that got less games. So, like you, you have to have a standard. So, uh, Duncan Keith, he's a he's a repeat offender, and he. And but like, was it that dangerous of a play? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think, think he was actually a repeat offender under the guidelines of the. Uh, yeah, I guess the eighteen months. I I I've yeah. been conflicting things about that. Maybe you can cl- uh, clarify it. But I had heard that the repeat offender is still counted um, for your, your maximum amount of games, but it's not necessarily counted for the the fine. So if it's been eighteen months and you don't get fined, but they can take those actions into account when, um, when doling out a suspension. And so I think, you know, when you, you look back at uh, Dennis Weidman, he got, ended up getting 10 games. You're going to, for blindsiding an official, you're going to give Duncan Keith the exact, exact same, what you're going to give uh, um, Dennis Weidman. And I also think playoff games, whether people like it or not, they're weighted. Oh, you're absolutely right. They are. And you talk about Dennis Weidman, he got 10 games in the end. What about yep. that uh, ref in college hockey that just dummied the guy behind the net after he scored? What's that ref getting? He should get ten games. I you mean, see that, that hit that it was one of the better hits of the year. I feel that like was that, amazing. It was it was amazing, but it was like he. I don't think he even knew the guy was there. Like no, he just, he just threw a great hip into him and and buried the guy. But it was like a dangerous full speed collision. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, there there's been a few ref incidents in hockey this year. There was a junior. Uh, game up in Canada. I don't know if you saw that. It went kind of viral where the ref punched the player right in the face. Like he had him like had him up top. And he, it was like uh, it was like a junior B game up in uh, I think it was in Ontario. And he just popped him, like knocked him out cold on the face and then the trainer from the uh, the team where the kid got punched came in and smoked the ref. So there refs and players everyone everyone needs to kind of press the reset button here cuz it's gotten a little bit out of control. Uh, but yeah, back to Duncan Keith. I, I think I think six games, given the, the other – I mean, you have to have a standard. You can't just be like, Duncan Keith gets 20 games because it looked pretty violent. Uh, and 
Ryan Reeves gets three for a potentially more dangerous head hit. I don't know. I think there has to be some standard and, and playoff games should be weighted. So I was fine with, uh, with five to six games. I, I think that's, I think the NHL actually got that right. All right. Maybe I'm a little biased because Charlie Coyle won the sauce hockey challenge last year and he's a good dude, but uh, <laughs> he's a friend here. You know, like yeah. Duncan Keith's uh, like talk about guys. I love watching play hockey. He's so good. He's such a good skater. And, uh, and I, I like the Hawks, so I'm happy that it'll be back. And I, I don't think series should be decided based on guys being out for suspensions and everything. Put the best on best, see what happens. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, I'm surprised so many people, like, that's a pretty fair analysis. I was surprised that people wanted him out as, like, a, from a fan perspective. Like, what do you care if he's in or not? Like, he, if you're a neutral fan, obviously, if you're a Blues fan, you want him out, but, or a Wild fan, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was bad. But I didn't think it should be the the longest suspension of the year or anything like that. So, um, so you're you're taking caps, and then who's representing the West? We kind of got sidetracked there. I like the Ducks. I like the Ducks. Like the Ducks. They, uh, you know, their first half was so bad, mm-hmm. and uh, and the second half was so good. I mean, that's a team that's just coming in on a roll. And uh, I talked to one of their players uh, about two weeks ago, just about home ice advantage, different things in the playoffs, and. And he said home ice is going to be huge for them because, uh, you know, their coach loves to roll uh, certain matchups and certainly Ryan Kessler up against the other team's top lines. And, and he's so good at it that I think that matchup game will really help Anaheim um, when they have home ice. So, yeah, Ducks, I don't know. How boring is that, eh? Ducks and Caps in the final. But, uh, I, mean, I mean, I guess they spin Ovechkin pretty good. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could see the Ducks. Um, I, I agree that the Hawks are probably a little bit more vulnerable than they've been in the past. Um, Corey Crawford having vertigo certainly isn't, isn't a good thing. Uh, so usually <laughs> you want your goalie to have his head on straight. Um, but I don't know. I think the Hawks, I think the Hawks certainly still have enough. Um, and I think they're kind of buoyed by Kane having the best year of his life. So if he's, if he continues the play that he's had, um, maybe he can kind of make up the difference where you don't necessarily, you don't have sod. Uh, were sharp, but Kane is just so much better than he was that it kind of, you know, he, he alleviates some of that uh, scoring depth that maybe they don't have well, uh, this year. Well, taking off his cape because he's going without the mullet. I heard, I heard that. So I don't – he's a big boy now. He's a grown-up, so he's not, he doesn't want to have a ridiculous haircut as a 27-year-old or whatever. So Yeah, he still scored 100-and-something points without a mullet, so I'm sure he'll be fine. He'll be fine, yeah. Um so caps and ducks. I'm going. I'm going. Uh, shit. You know what? I, I think I'm, the sharks. I think San Jose could do something this year too. I think they could win a first round matchup. Um, I think so too. They got the goaltending. They're deeper. They got yep. two two great defensemen. They they just are another kind of like the Blues and and Caps and Penguins recently. They have that stigma about them where it's just like we'll see if they can actually get out of the first round. Um, we did we did have a couple questions, so let's get into those real quick. Um, first one was from, um, a a big, he's a huge Panthers fan. So I'll read the question. Hey man, huge Panthers fan here. I've been waiting to have a real playoff run for my entire life. His question is, does he go with a beard? So he's an adult. He actually had a traffic violation that he has, has to be in court for. Uh, does he let it go all loose and scraggly? Or does he uh, keep a clean shave? And what's your stance on, on playoff beards in general for fans? Uh, to me, it's a little excessive. I'm not going to tell a fan what to do because fan is short form for fanatic. 
So if you want to grow a playoff beard and you think that's going to help your team, great. If you're going to put your personal or professional life in jeopardy by doing so, maybe dial it back a notch. If this guy's going to court and that's what he's worried about, I think he should bring a huge bag of rats. And if he gets off on that traffic violation, just launch the rats, get the celly going, get fired up. Yeah, That's what like it means to be a Panthers fan. Starting now. Now the Panthers fans are back. So, uh, John, uh, I'm with Mike on this one. Playoff beards for fans, I think they're stupid. So I, I have like an actual job. I can't work. You know, if you're having a girlfriend, you are not going to grow like a ridiculous playoff beard for 10 weeks as your pl- team's making a run through the playoffs. So keep it tight. I usually let it grow on the weekends and then, uh, you know, you trim it every, every week. So even with Prez making all that coin now, you guys still have to have day jobs? Um, some of us, yeah. So Brutal. Yeah. The, the main guys, Big Cat, KFC, Prez, those guys do all right. Uh, the other guys were scrapping. So I'll tell you what, Chief, I'd put you in that main conversation anyways. So send that one up the Barstool <laughs> chain. They should get you involved. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut that soundbite right there and send it right <laughs> to him. Um, next question is from Chris. If somehow Sidney Crosby wins the Hart Trophy over Kane, is there any way to impeach the East Coast bias um, from from hockey and Sidney Crosby fanboys? So you did a player poll uh, for a lot of the different awards, uh, and Crosby's name was certainly thrown around there. Uh, what what were the results of uh, the the Hart Trophy from from the players? So yeah, I, I pulled twenty seven NHL players, asked them who they'd pick for the Hart, the Vesna, the uh, Calder, and the Norris, and it's it's pinned on my Twitter account. You can see it at Mike Kelly NHL. Um, so the players voted eighty one percent for Patrick Kane for the Hart Trophy. Uh, Brent or sorry, Jamie Ben had uh, had some votes as well in second place, and one guy voted for Anze Kopitar. Um, which, you know, that's a guy that probably doesn't get enough love, but it would be pretty hard to top what Patrick Kane did this year. He was the uh, only guy to get 100 points and the point streak and all that stuff. So uh, I think that's a pretty big slam dunk for Patrick Kane. If, if Sidney Crosby wins it, you know, I, I don't know how that would happen. A lot of these awards are voted on by writers. Right. And with all due respect to the writers, uh, you know, they're, they're classified as media and, and I'm mm-hmm. classified as media as well. There, there's a lot that we don't know. There's, there's, People that are beat writers for certain teams are going to vote in favor of guys on their teams. Not all of them, but it happens. Uh, it certainly happened when Jose Theodore won the uh, yep. Hart Trophy, I think, in 2002, and Jerome McGinley was completely left off ballots. So, yep. you know, there, it's not a foolproof system, uh, how the awards are voted on it and who gets who ends up winning these awards. But I think it's as clear-cut a case for Patrick Kane to win the Hart Trophy this year as, as there's been in a long time. I, I, I am biased. But I also agree. Like Kane has to be the MVP, who's you know light years ahead of everyone else in the scoring race, and no one else was really scoring for the Hawks this year. Hosa had a down year, Taves had a down year. Uh, statistically, um, there were stretches there, uh, November, December, parts of January, where that line, that Panarin, Kane, and Nisimov line, that was it. So if you if that line got shut down, the Hawks had nothing. Uh, thankfully, they didn't get shut down very often. That line was dynamic just about all year, uh, and they're and they're clicking right now. So. Uh, yeah, I would I would give it to Kane as well. I'm glad to hear the players uh, uh, are, are agree with that. What about well, what uh, you probably won't like is that the players for Rookie of the Year uh, close close race. Gostas Beer got some votes. Um, ultimately, they decided to go with McDavid over Panarin, which uh, is interesting. I don't think there's any doubt that McDavid is the the best rookie in the class for sure. But yeah. again, when you're voting on the award. Y- 
any criticisms to me that are used against Panera, and if this was a court case, they'd be completely inadmissible. He's 24 years old. Throw it out because the NHL says if you're 26 or under on a certain date, doesn't matter. He played in the KHL for six seasons. Throw that out because for whatever reason, the NHL doesn't classify the KHL as a professional league. So in their mind, he hasn't had any pro experience. And then he plays with Patrick Kane. Like somehow this is a problem. Uh, and why you wouldn't vote for him. He helped Patrick Kane have the best season of his career. Right. So for me, I mean, Artemi Panarin won the scoring race by 21 points. And I don't know how many, you know, I, I don't know. There's really no precedent to vote for a guy who played 45 games to win the Calder Trophy. It hasn't happened. I think it was a great story what Connor McDavid did. I think yeah. he's the best rookie. But with all right. that evidence, how do you vote against Panarin? Exactly. So it's two different questions. I would trade. Panarin for McDavid in the blink of an eye like there's no doubt who the actual better player is but it's not that's not the award it's who had the better rookie season and and I think Panarin definitely did that so the players I don't know maybe it's a little anti-Russian bias maybe maybe they all the reasons that you uh you said there where they're um you know they don't like that he's 24 they don't like that he's been a pro for six years so uh but again I'm with you I don't think any of that should matter uh, I personally don't care if he wins the award or not. I'm not going to you know, lose sleep over it or anything. Uh, he doesn't have any more bonuses tied into that. Otherwise, I'd probably be rooting against him because um, the Hawks are in, uh, in some trouble now that he hit all, the, all of his performance yeah. bonuses. So um, they're probably going to have to lose Andrew Shaw next season because Panarin was better than they anticipated. But, you know, worry about that tomorrow. And nice problems to have. Yeah, worry about that award now. Uh, I, think he should, I think he should absolutely get it. And then uh, Gossip Fear should get votes too. I think those are the right top three. Yeah. Um, but I think Panarin, or Panarin has definitely uh, earned that, that Rookie of the Year. And what were the other awards on that list that you asked people about? Uh, the Vesna, which, uh, again, over 80% voted for Braden Holpe. I think it, it's a great case for him. It's fine. Uh, ben Bishop was second. I think Ben Bishop should get a real look, though, yeah. uh, for the reasons that we talked about. And then uh, tight race for the Norris, but the players went with Eric Carlson. Um, and a lot of people are wondering about Carlson or Dowdy. If Carlson wins the award, it would be the first time uh, a defenseman's done it on a non-playoff team. But you want to talk about firsts. It's the first time a defenseman's led the league in assists in 41 years. It's the first time a defenseman's been top five in scoring in 30 years. It's the first time a defenseman's had 82 points in 20 years. He not only had his best year as a pro, he probably had the best year by a defenseman in the last decade since Lidstrom retired. And people want to make this Drew Doughty argument. I've I've heard, this is is what people who are voting on the award have actually said. These are some of the things. Um, Number one, Eric Carlson doesn't kill penalties. It's not entirely true. He doesn't kill a ton of penalties, but he killed almost three times as much this year than he did last year. Uh, Number two, uh, it's Drew Doughty's time to win the Norris Trophy. I don't even know what the hell that means. <laughs> vote on who's t- who's, yeah. what player's time it is now, I guess. Right. Um, and number three, one person said, uh, that again, that's voting on the award, well, maybe Carlson should be classified as a rover, not as a defenseman. I mean, yeah. what the hell does that mean? He is a right. defenseman. People probably said the same thing about Bobby Orr 40 years ago. Yeah. I think we've gotten past that at this point. Yeah, I, I love Eric Carlson in terms of players to watch. Um, He's maybe the top three player in the league in terms of just pure excitement and what he brings to the game. Couldn't love watching him more. Um, but when I don't know, there is a little bit of a disconnect for me because if I was that award to me is who is the best defenseman, like all 200 feet? 
And if I'm starting a team um, with a defenseman, I, I am taking Doughty uh, and maybe a couple of other guys before I'm taking Eric Carlson, as great as Carlson is. Um, I don't know for this, you know, so I'm torn because his, his year kind of speaks for itself and he is their offense. Like he's Ottawa. If you take Carlson off that team, they are they're awesome. the worst team in the league without him. He, exactly. he, he has the puck in his stick for, for over three minutes a game, way more than anybody else. Yeah. Um, you talk about, well, how good is he as a defenseman with the word defense emphasized, he has the best zone exit. Uh, percentage with control of the puck of anyone in the league. So he gets the puck in his own end, brings it out with possession. It's exactly what you want from a defenseman. He outscored Drew Doughty by at even strength by 31 points this year. So, I mean, all the things that I talked about with Eric Carlson, what he's done, yeah. you tell me what Drew Doughty did that was so spectacular this year. And I, I love Drew Doughty. He had a great season, was a big reason for the King's success. No question. He played more minutes at every uh, strength on that team than anyone else. He was great. But of all the things I just said that Eric Carlson's done, no one's done in 20, 30, 40 years, what did Drew Doughty do this year that was so spectacular? I mean, there's nothing. I mean, every uh, he's kind of spectacular in his own way every night, but it, it's it's not uh, measured necessarily in the score sheet. But uh, certainly Doughty, or, uh, Carlson does all those, a lot of those same things as well. Uh, I love Carlson. That That's the draft pick. Uh, that I wish the Hawks could have back. They drafted Kyle Beach like two spots ahead of uh, Eric Carlson, I believe, in 2008. That one, uh, can Beach. you imagine? Yeah, could you imagine Eric Carlson on, as the pairing with uh, Jalmerson on some of these teams? Oh, God. That'd that would have been that would have been something uh, else. Credit Pierre Dorian, the new GM of the Ottawa Senators. He spent a lot of time in Sweden. He pushed for that pick. He pushed for Ottawa to trade up to get that pick. So. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so, one of those happy accidents. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's, you know, I, I see the argument for both sides, and I guess I, I feel like you have to reward Carlson for the year he's had. Um, but, I, again, like I, I think I would rather have Drew Doughty on my team. All but, right. Uh, so it's kind of splitting hairs. But, I, yeah, I, I'm fine with giving it, to, giving it to Carlson. He was so good this year. And he is, like I said, one of my favorite players as a fan to watch. Um, and did Brett Burns get any votes on that? Burnsy was uh, third, yep. He did. Okay. Okay. So Brent Burns was third. I mean, you can make a great case for uh, Chris Letang. You can make a case yeah. for Roman Yossi, different guys. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Dowdy and Carlson kind of separate themselves from everybody. And, and you know, to me, from based on what I've said, I think it should be Carlson. I actually think last year there was a much better case to, to pick Dowdy over Carlson. Yeah. Uh, the, the funny thing to me is everyone seems to be a day late and a dollar short this year. It, it should have been done last year. Yeah. Um, Dowdy played – I think a minute 45 more uh, per game than Carlson last year. He plays a minute less this year. All these, all these numbers were more in Dowdy's favor last year, but like you talk about, it's not just about the numbers. There's, there's a lot of other things that go into it. And uh, I just think it might be a case where the people that vote on the award say, you know what? Oh, you know, like I said, Drew Dowdy hasn't won one yet. Let's give him one. Yeah. And that, and that's not right either. And I, I think there is uh an element of that with the Selkie award too, where it's like, Oh, he was nominated last year. So we're going to give it to him this year. It's kind of moved into like the, uh, the Bergeron award. Now I'm sure he'll win it again, but there was a time where it was like, Oh, Taves was nominated, but they gave it to somebody else. So then we made Taves win it. They had Taves win it the next year. He didn't play any different or better. It was just like, like you said, it was his turn. So uh, I don't, again, and I think that's a silly way to look at it. And there's definitely, uh, it seems like they're doing that. If they do give it to Doughty, that's going to be the prevailing thought. Like, how could a guy as good as Doughty not have a Norris? Well, now he does. So at the uh, end of the day, like you talk about, it's, it's their NHL awards. They don't mean a ton to, well, they don't mean really much to anybody except the guys that win them. And it's nice for the guys that win them, but it's not the be all end all either. So 
You know, the Kings are happy to have Dowdy. The Senators are happy to have Carlson. Everybody wins when you got one of those guys in your team. For sure. So we'll sign off. That was, I think that was our, our only two questions that came in uh, under the wire there. Um, you have Caps and Ducks. Are you going to pick a winner right now for that too, and then we'll let you go? Yeah, let's go, uh, let's go with the Ducks. Poor Ovi. Won't get to lift the cup. I'm fine with that. I don't want to see Nate in D.C. happy either. So, um, <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to have the Hawks repeat. Big, big surprise. I'll take uh, Hawks over, uh, over Florida. So my, my real team and my bandwagon team. Are, I like uh, it. The, uh, the Dale Talon built <laughs> in many ways Hawks against the new Dale Talon. Yep. So it'll be, it'll be like a reunion show with Brian Campbell and maybe they'll bring <laughs> Dave Bowling in as well. Uh, so yeah, should be it should be a good. Uh, this is my favorite time of year. So I hope you I hope you're ready. And, uh, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Last one for you, real quick. You think yeah. Picklehead gets back in the mix? I don't. I, I think they they sent him back in or back down. Yeah. Uh, they called up Runeblood. You said you said Brian Bickle. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they 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 sent him back down to Rockford for the AHL playoffs and called up uh, David Runeblood to have an extra defenseman. Uh, so I I I was kind of thinking that he would get a shot, but. There's, yeah, you never know. You never know, but you, it looks like they're going with uh, Brandon Mashiner on the on the third line. They're sitting down Ponick and sitting down Dale Weiss, um, at least to start the playoffs, which we've seen them do that before. Uh, Antoine Vermette uh, was benched a few times last year. Tara Vine was benched a few times during the playoffs last year. So we'll see. Uh, Coach Hughes, it's hard to really question him too much at this point. Uh, he looks like he wants some muscle for that series against St. Louis, and maybe they'll need it. And uh, – but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's a little, it's, people are people, Chicago hockey Twitter is having a little bit of a meltdown today when they oh, saw bet. the uh, the line. So if the Hawks yeah, in the cup, it'll be their fourth in seven years. And if you look at, I don't know if you guys think you got a dynasty already, but the NHL and the Hall of Fame actually officially recognize. I think it's eight dynasties in NHL history. The Hawks yeah. aren't one of them, but the low bar in those dynasties is four cups in seven years. So yeah, I know it this year. Yeah, we we had talked about that before um, a little bit, like maybe like three months ago on Twitter. I was shocked to hear that. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, you, I hate to say you have to change the rules because of the salary cap, but you have to change the rules because of the salary cap. Because yeah, Ladd is back now, but they lost Ladd. I mean, I mean if you, if they were able to keep Brian Campbell, Nick Letty, Christopher Stieg, Dustin Bufflin, Andrew Ladd, like that team, we might be talking about six, seven cups with that group. So. Yeah, um, yeah. but they had to, uh, you know, basically be a farm team for the rest of the league, which whatever, it's good for the league. The Hawks still got their, still have three, but yeah, I'm, I'm desperate for that fourth for the official classification. <laughs> Let those t-shirt sales roll in, uh, another parade, all that, all that good stuff. So if they win. Uh, you got to invite me down for the parade this year. I don't, I don't get passes for the parade, but I can probably get you to the, uh, the actual cup party if, <laughs> if you're interested in that. So deal. I have a feeling yeah. the prerequisite is just to have awesome hair. Which you do, so I'm going to do it up. You're in, yeah, friend of the program. So love it. Uh, yep. All right, Mike. Well, that was great. Thanks for thanks for having us. Maybe we'll do it again uh, as the playoffs roll along here. Okay, buddy. Take care.